Exercises podcast. My name is Rachel Amaday. Thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled to be back with you this Monday with this new series um, that I am kind of working on and slowly wrapping my head around, which is this concept we started with last week about body health, mindset health, how that all ties into the end times and end times prophecy and how we are watching We are seeing things happen in our day that people throughout history never could have imagined. I am constantly reminded right now that for thousands of years, the prophecies in scripture, especially the prophecies in Revelation now, most people thought that could never happen. That is the most fanciful book because those things just could never happen. How could everyone see the two witnesses and everyone know what was going on? And how could we possibly have stuff happening that's like what the days of Noah were like? And on and on and on. But now with scientific advancement, we now know that these things can take place and that what John was seeing in Revelation was the reality we're possibly experiencing today. It is fascinating. Sorry, I'm going to be taking some sips of tea this time of year. I always get a little bit of an allergy. Talk talk about health. I'm working on that and figuring out how to dampen that down. Um, And I'm not even going to tell you when my allergy started and what I believe it's related to because it's just going to make me mad and put me on a bunny trail. So we're going to move into what I wanted to talk about today. But um, I am planning, I have three people lined up for interviews this time of year, all these smart, super brilliant, intelligent, highly trained people are taking classes and in school and and finishing up doctorates and whatever. They are all in the midst of it now. So they're going to have a little more time, hopefully starting mid to end of May. Yes, I've been promising this for a long time, but uh, I, I'm being choosy. I'm being picky about the people that I choose to come on the program. Number one, I want them to be fascinating for you and voices and information that you've maybe never heard before, because what is the point of you listening to this podcast if I'm not challenging? your preconceived notions and giving you new information. And also I want them to be people that I have personally vetted or personally know. I want them to be the real deal. And so the first three that I have lined up, they are the real deal. They are not out trying to be famous or anything along those lines. These are people who just are in the daily trenches doing work. Specifically, uh, two of the folks I have lined up They're in the mental health field, and one works with young people more often. The other has been in the mental health field for decades and is a wealth of great information and new information. In fact, she was just sharing with me some of the work she's doing right now and the studying that she's doing. I've never heard about any of this, and I can't wait to ask her about it because I think it will tie into our podcast beautifully. And then I have another woman who is hopefully going to be coming on who is uh, has done work at a very high level, helping people become freed from demonic or dark spiritual forces. And she has worked specifically with people who have been part of rituals that um, can allow those sorts of forces to be present in your life. And so she has really interesting information. And I think her voice is important right now because we are seeing movies and we are seeing more podcasts um, where people are talking about demonic activity and they're talking about spiritual activity. And um, we are also seeing a rise in Satanism a really fast rise in Satanism in our culture, which is shocking and fascinating. And so we need some voices of people who've actually worked in this realm that maybe aren't part of the Catholic Church or what they do, but have a really unique and very biblical approach to how to deal with those dark forces or demonic activity uh, in your own life. And frankly, I'm not even sure that it's actual demons that most of these people are dealing with. I'm not sure it's not the spirits of the Nephilim or, you know, I'm not certain exactly what all of this is, but we are going to hopefully have her on and we're going to get to talk about it. So I'm really excited actually to dig into some guests 
for you all, with you all. But today we're going to talk about something that I get into a little bit in my book, but not necessarily from the angle I'm going to take it at today. And I want to talk about health and the end times from the perspective of our minds and our hearts, according to the biblical definition of hearts and minds. There's a lot going on there. The Bible talks about the heart and the mind a lot. And the two of them seem to be related to each other, or in some cases, they are interchangeable in the verses that we're going to talk about. So the mind is comes from the root word leb or lab in Hebrew, and it's used to describe the inner man, the will, the mind, and the heart. It's an interesting combination that we really don't have in English. We, we don't use these terms as interchangeably in English. In fact, we separate them out a lot. But the concept here is that the heart of man is very much related to the thoughts of our mind. What you think about and your heart are interconnected. You cannot separate what you do with your mind from the spirit that you have in your heart. So if the Holy Spirit is present, then your mind is engaging with the Holy Spirit, right? And and your your mind is affected by or you are affecting, you know, the conversation you are having with the Holy Spirit. So we see this word first presented in Genesis 6, 5, in describing mankind during the days of Noah. The Bible says this, And Yahweh saw that great was the wickedness of man in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was altogether evil. So the word there for heart comes from this root leb. Then we have in Genesis 6, 6, and it says, Yahweh was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Again, we have leb, but leb is related to the mind, the thoughts. This is just the whole of the inner person. So both God has the leb and, you know, mankind has the leb in this Genesis 6 section. So this is the inner person, the thoughts and considerations and feelings and intentions that kind of get wrapped up into this word. We see this, this word's used a lot. Later on, Pharaoh's heart or leb is hardened against the Israelites. In Psalm 17, 3, David writes, if you try my heart, if you visit me by night, if you test me, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth does not transgress. The word leb is used here again for heart. In Jeremiah 23, 26, we have a really interesting use of the word leb. It's used in two ways. The verse states, How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? Both hearts and minds come from this root word, leb. It's interesting. And I love this because I think this is kind of describing a group of people who their entire inner being is involved in these delusions and um, the, these are, I feel like this is seemingly what is happening today in culture, that people have been left to their own delusions and they are fully in belief. They are so fully in belief that they're willing to change their bodies. I mean, we talk about the spirit body connection. We're seeing people change aspects of their bodies that work and that are healthy and that are fine based on the inner delusions that they're having, the inner thoughts, the inner mindset that they're in, the inner pain, right? And I have so much compassion for people who are in that level of pain or in that level of delusion because I kind of understand that. I understand it. You know, when I was young and it was big to be super thin in the 90s, right? And those images were everywhere. I feel like every young woman I knew ended up with some level of an eating disorder. Something was off with how they related to themselves and food. And a lot of it was delusional, right? You know, a lot of it was beautiful, healthy young women who could never be content with their bodies because they were always making a comparison that was unfair or was strange or wicked. And so they would do so many things. You know, we all tried so many things to try to be happy with our bodies. But the only reason we were doing that is because we were having a disconnect between our minds and our bodies. We were disconnected. We couldn't see what was actually there. We were only seeing something that existed in our minds. This is very, very dangerous, very problematic, but this is, uh, this is how the human being operates. And I think it greatly affects what happens to us in the end times. So 
From the Jewish Virtual Library, I want to explain this. This is what they have to say about this kind of term for hearts and minds. It says, The interior of the body is conceived of as the seat of the inner life, of feeling and thought. Strong feeling is conceived of as a stirring or heating of the intestines. Me'ayim. Interesting. In Isaiah 16.11 and Jeremiah 4.19, as well as Lamentations 1 verse 20. As well as of the heart like Deuteronomy 19.6, Jeremiah 48.36, or Psalm 39.4. Gladness is a function not only of the heart, but also of the kidneys. Okay, we're going to tie this. You're going to be shocked uh, when I started to look into this. Why does the Bible kind of describe things this way? But Let's keep going here from the website, which also urge a certain course on a man, but it is the lev or lavav that figures most often in references to the inner life, both emotional and, and this is its special fear, intellectual. That is why when lavav is mentioned alone, it is often hard to decide whether the underlying physical concept is specifically the heart or the inwards generally. At any rate, the Bible never mentions about the Lev or Lebav anything that is literally physical, such as a heartbeat, nor does it ever mention any literal pain or ailment of it. That somebody's heart is sick means that he is grieving. That Israel's heart is obstructed signifies that it is religiously stubborn and intractable. Cutting away the obstruction of Israel's heart which is, by the way, FYI, circumcision, according to scripture. But cutting away that obstruction, of course, means making it religiously reasonable. So too, that a man says something in his heart means that he says it to himself or thinks it. That he is wise of heart means that he is intelligent or skillful. One who has no heart is adult. A faithful English translation is precisely one that in most cases does not contain the word heart, but either substitutes mind or sometimes spirit, or quite often does not render the noun at all, for it is often hard to feel, let alone express, the differences between such pairs as gladness of heart and plain gladness. He rejoiced in his heart, and the bear he rejoiced. On the other hand, in the interest of both aesthetics and usefulness, heart should be substituted in English for the emotional kidneys and intestines of biblical Hebrew. The King James, my bowels were moved for him, uh, is not either more beautiful or more enlightening than something like my heart yearned for him. Finally, on the one hand, the word levav illustrates biblical Hebrew's lack of a terminology for distinguishing clearly between mind or soul and body. For when Psalms 104.15 says that bread fortifies a man's levav while wine cheers a man's levav, the first levav means insights, if not actually body, but the second one means spirit. Nevertheless, the word lev and levav enable the language to come close to distinguishing between the two. The former by juxtaposition with basar, the latter by juxtaposition with she'er, two words meaning body. Psalm 73.26 helps us to detect the fact that the word rosh, or head, in Isaiah 1.5 is a corruption due to contamination by the rosh in the following verse of an original she'er, the restoration of which yields for Isaiah 1.5b, the sense every body, not just the head, but the entire body. See, verse 6 is sore and every spirit is anguished. Okay, so what, end quote, so what we are being told here basically is that the Hebrew language, the scripture, does not always give us this, dis, you know, a distinguished heart and mind as separate, or even body sometimes as separate. These things seem to be very, very interlinked. Now, it mentions that there is this King James translation in some of these verses that relates to the kidneys and why. Why the kidneys? Why is the kidneys a part of this internal system that the Bible is discussing? Well, listen to this. According to the NIH, and I know we don't always like them, but according to the NIH, neuropsychiatric conditions, including depression, anxiety disorders, and cognitive impairment are prevalent in patients with chronic kidney disease. These conditions often make worse the quality of life and also lead to longer hospitalizations and higher mortality. So despite there being very little understanding of these relationships of mood and mindset to our organs in scripture, the actual language God gave the writers of scripture 
what they told them to say implies health in mind and body and that these are connected. Even the Bible tells us that. Come on. This is extraordinary. Scientifically, we now know that stress has major implications in the physical, but stress is a mental or heart state of being. How can this be? How can thoughts produce chemicals that trigger hormone production that change our cells and our health status? This is huge information and has huge implications for the drugs we use, the perspectives we have on our lives and our days, and how we live from our internal man. And the Bible has always implied this connection. But it really hasn't been until very recently in medicine that we've started to recognize this and call it for what it is. Your inner man, your spirit and your body, these are not the dualistic view of man has got to die. This concept that your body is separate from your spirit and that the two don't have interchangeable relationship, the relationship that is so connected, that, that, that whole concept that that doesn't exist has got to go. And we still have it to this day. We still talk so much about fallen your fallen body and your, your perfect spirit or whatnot. Listen, I want to remind you, I said this last week. God made Adam and Eve in both realms, both the spiritual man and the physical man. And they were one. They were unified And that body that they were given was intended to live forever. And what happened at the fall of man wasn't just that the body died. It was also that the spirit was disconnected from that life force. And without the reconnection, that spirit will also die. That is what the second death is. That's what the Bible is talking about. There is no duality here. Someday, if you are in the kingdom with God after you die, you will be given a new body. Okay, so the physical is real, guys. It's real. What you are experiencing in your physical body is real, and it's absolutely connected to your spirit man. Now, We can talk about at the quantum level what the physical really is. You know, we talk about just energy fields being held together, right, by particular energies and waveforms and particles and what all, how all of this really interacts at the very, very small level is pretty astonishing, right? It's pretty extraordinary. But then what you start to realize is everything comes from this great mind, this great being that is God, even the physical even the rocks, even the dirt, all of it is held together by a spirit, which means all of it is connected. You cannot escape this. Okay. And it does mean that when God says our bodies are a temple, we need to take that spiritually seriously because it is serious business. The good news in all of this is that the mind can help create a better environment for the body. The bad news is I believe our culture barely allows time or space for that type of work. Now, for me, I mean, you just go, is it any wonder that the Bible tells us 365 times not to fear? Do not be afraid. What will fear produce in your body? It's going to produce disease and decay. It's going to change what's going on in your cells. It's going to produce stress and anxiety, which will change. It will change your mood. It will change what you want to eat. It will change how easily you're addicted. It will change everything physically. This is, this is really a big deal. You know, God cares about the whole of you. He made you. He formed you. You didn't come into the world the way you are on accident. This was intentional. Your name is written in a book of life until you want it blotted out, until you decide against the Lord, right? And and this, you know, either way, whether it works that way, which I'm starting to believe it does, or it works that your name gets written in, uh, it doesn't matter. The experience you're having in this physical realm, in this time domain, as one of my teachers puts it, it is real and it does affect 
everything that will happen to you going forward. This matters. How you treat your body affects your soul and how you see yourself and what you do with your inner man affects your body. These things are connected. So how is the culture attacking this aspect of what's going on with us? And I mentioned in last week's podcast that I believe and have believed for years now that um, Satan has been attempting to go after the Holy Spirit position. You know, he tried to sit on the Father's throne. That didn't work out for him. He thought he had it when Jesus died, and um, and that did not work out well. I mean, we just celebrated the fact that Yeshua rose from the dead, and that upon his death, he probably shocked the entire spiritual realm showing up in Sheol and taking the keys of death and Hades away. That was shocking, I am sure. They did not realize what they were going to lose. Satan did not realize what he was losing when Jesus died. That's amazing, right? This incredible story. But um, I think now, because Satan has failed at all of these things, he's trying to thwart God's plan through taking the Holy Spirit place in mankind. We talked about the days of Noah and how God had to destroy those people. Why? Well, I think there was some sort of combining of the spiritual realm and physical realm that was forbidden by God that took place at that time. And the Nephilim were formed, and these were not just humans. Something about these souls were not totally human. And see, remember, for the dead, for the human dead soul, they go to Sheol, right? And they go to a place of waiting, okay? These souls, the souls of the Nephilim, I don't think they're in Sheol. I'm not sure where they are, but um, it's possible that they are condemned to either the earth or they are condemned to... um, being held or bound until the final final days, but they don't get the same rest that a human soul gets, I don't believe. And so there's just a lot of interesting implications here about what happened during the days of Noah and what we're seeing happen now, which I believe is a messing with the human seed and human DNA in order to create something that is maybe a superpower, right? A, a superhero type version of humanity. And I know some of you might not understand that this is actually happening, but this is happening in the scientific realm. They're talking about messing with DNA and RNA, and they're talking about making people into gods. That Those are the phrases being used behind closed doors at some of these higher level meetings. And so, um, and, and you can find quotes from people involved in the World Economic Forum and all of that who say things like this. They actually use those terms. These are the days of Noah we are about to come upon where we are creating things that aren't fully human. And we're creating them for what reasons? Health? Better minds? Yeah, we're going to get into that, okay? So I believe, though, that culture makes it very hard for us to have the mindset of Christ and therefore to have all of that good work in our bodies that can take place when you have a godly mindset and when you do not fear and you do not worry. Yeshua said, do not worry. Can you even add one hair to your head by worry? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the flowers. Look at how God clothes them. Will he not take care of you even better, you as a human being? Jesus says God even knows when the tiniest bird, when a sparrow falls, does he not know your days? He tells us not to worry. Don't have anxiety. Don't do this to yourself. It's interesting. It's interesting advice. If worry was innocuous and it was only spiritual, that advice would not be nearly as powerful. But now that we know how these things affect our body, think of the power in that advice. Think of the energy that is depleted by worry and anxiety. Believe me, it does deplete your energy. I don't know how much you've experienced of anxiety and depression, but you don't want to get out of bed sometimes. By the way, if you're struggling with that, I think all of us have times in our lives where we face something so hard, so challenging, or we haven't dealt with something traumatic and we don't feel like getting up. And guess what? That's normal. It's your body telling you, you've got to deal with something in your life. And I would direct you to the work of Dr. Caroline Leaf. If this is something you're going through, she has amazing uh, information for you on what it means, what's happening with depression, what's happening with anxiety, and how you can help yourself get to a place where you want to try again, where you have that energy again. 
But let me tell you this, our Lord Yeshua, what he offers is peace. He wants you to hand your trials and your tribulations over to him, to decide to close the door to sin in your life so that uh, the dark forces of the world don't have access to you and so that he can cover you in his protection and walk with you and help you because there's hope. If you are still here and you are still breathing, God is not done with you. This is, the, this is good news. But there are some things that you might need to do in order to be able to take a step back, deal with what's going on in your life, and get that energy back, okay? And I want to I plant some ideas here. You know, as we hopefully move in the next few months into more interviews and getting more experts in these fields, I want to I plant some ideas. What does culture really tell us? about how to think and how to live. Are they really implanting confidence or are they implanting fear and anxiety and worry and stress? Let me ask you this. Have you ever watched a commercial for a pharmaceutical and wondered, is that a problem I have? (laughs) There are great comedic skits based just around this concept. I feel like SNL even had one where they were like, do you have giant tongue disease? You know, and, you know, get zithro packs or whatever, and they go through all the horrible side effects, but at least your tongue will be smaller, right? You see these pharmaceutical ads, and some of them seem really scary, like these diseases are really scary, and you think, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was an illness. I wonder if I have that. I wonder if someone I know has that. Should I be on the look? You know, And that's what they want you to do. They want you to get worried that it's that what you're dealing with, whether you have, um, you're more tired lately or Maybe your your ankle is hurt for a few months or whatever your issue is. They want you to think it's the issue that their drug solves, right? It's the problem. Here's the problem. They're the solution. And they want you to ask your doctor about it because your doctor likes to give you drugs because he wants to make you feel better. And so your doctor might say yes, and then they get a paycheck. Um, sorry to be so cynical about it. I know that there are good doctors out there and good uh, groups out there doing work on pharmaceuticals, but let's be honest, it's a business and it is a big business. And so have you ever had that? Have you ever experienced that? I've seen a commercial and now I'm concerned about that issue and I wasn't even thinking about it previously. Is it possible that the implanting of this constant information through technology is also implanting us with fears and doubts and stresses that would never have existed otherwise. Is that possible? Let's talk about social media. How often do you scroll scroll through your social media and you see, you know, an old friend or a new friend or someone you even don't know and something about what they posted makes you feel like you're lacking? Be honest. Social media is made to do that. In fact, studies on social media show that basically people keep going back to it for a particular type of dopamine hit uh, when they get a lot of likes on their posts. Have you ever posted and it doesn't seem like anyone saw your post and because you didn't get a lot of likes, you got frustrated? Be honest. That's probably happened at some point if you're on social media. So what is social media really doing for you? Now, for me, I use it. I use it for to promote this podcast. I use it for business. But even I, even at my best intention days, sometimes get sucked into scrolling. And I will admit, that is a strange experience when you actually sit and objectively analyze, you know, take yourself out of yourself for a second and watch yourself and how you feel when you're using social media. What is going on with your mind and with your inner, inner man, with your leb, with your heart? as you are engaging in social media. By the way, what could that time be spent doing otherwise that would give you a real boost of self-confidence? Maybe you have a project you need to finish. Maybe you have a person you need to reach out to and encourage. Maybe you have a song you need to write or a painting you would like to do or a walk you need to take. By the way, nature, you know, plants in nature emit chemicals that are healing. It's pretty amazing pretty incredible how God has made nature to respond to us and, uh, you know, and vice versa. Just, just the release of oxygen alone from plant life is good for your body. So, you know, there are other things you could be doing, but instead you're spending an emotional roller coaster on social media. It's interesting, isn't it? 
How about news? Do you watch a lot of news? I'm kind of a news junkie. It's just part of my family, part of my history, part of my broadcast journalism degree. I want to know what's going on in the world, and there are great news sources that I love. But I got to tell you, if I listen to news too much or watch news too much, my mindset shifts. There is a lot of fear in the news right now. And it doesn't mean that that information is not important. I believe it's absolutely important. But if you allow it to steal your joy, then it no longer is benefiting you. Now it's become a harm. How about all the news that has been a lie? How about the news that's been a lie? Let's go into the science of the last few years. Because scientific discovery can be absolutely amazing. But as we found out, the wrong science combined with our news media can do unbelievable damage. What do you think the overall consequence of the fear that has been experienced at a global scale in the last few years, what do you think the consequence of that has been on society? What has it done to all of us? What have we become more susceptible to? You know, fear degrades your immune system. That's some science that's out there. Fear all by itself can do unseen unknowable damage and we pay for it. How have we paid? And then, you know, then we can go into, are we afraid of being afraid? Are you worried right now that you've been too worried over the last few years? <laughs> right? Uh, don't do that. Don't, don't. The Bible says, take away all that fear. Take all of it away. All right. But consider, consider this with science. Okay. Science right now has been creating AI artificial intelligence, and it is starting to feel like it's about to be out of control. If you've been paying any attention whatsoever, what artificial intelligence is now capable of doing is astonishing. And, you know, the reports on this is if we keep going at this rate for even just a few more years, artificial intelligence will have surpassed human ability in a very short amount of time coming up here. Now, if If we go the wrong direction with this, if eventually artificial intelligence goes wrong, then Elon Musk's predictions will be accurate. This will create a need for humans to keep up or become unnecessary. And this is going to create a need for something called transhumanism. Now, transhumanism is basically the combining of computer and human. And so this technology Elon Musk has been developing along with other companies have been developing the ability to plant implant computer chips into human beings, to connect to computers, to be able to do work, to be able to upgrade the human being, create superheroes, mess with DNA. Does this sound anything like the days of Noah to you? Because it certainly does to me. We even have companies who've been working for decades on baby creating incubators where instead of mom having the baby, the baby is grown in an incubator and you can choose the eye color and the height and the color of the skin and anything that you want. You can get rid of disease. You can upgrade all of their abilities. What are we doing? This is all just God play, right? We're playing God. We're messing with everything possible in order to become superhuman, super beings, super powerful, super efficient, super productive, super whatever. But you know, that's not really the sort of information that the Bible gives, is it? When we think about the problems that science is creating, I mean, do we even have to discuss where the last virus that got uh, unleashed on the planet actually came from. If you've been paying attention to the news, you know now there's been some consensus, even in mainstream news, that it likely was leaked from a laboratory. This was human-made. Humans are creating fear, depleting immune systems, destroying life. When God says your body is a temple, what do you think What do you think Satan would like to go after? Your body and your soul. He wants it all. He wants it all to belong to him. And you know, I I think, again, we kind of downplay how smart the interdimensional beings are. They've been around for 
thousands of years, a very long time. They know the Bible better than I do and you do, better than most people, right? They're very well aware of, of God's plan for them. So what, is, what are they trying to do? What exactly is their point? Do you think they're just wildly out of control, trying to destroy as much as possible? But how would that give them legal access to anything? You know, when Satan was able to convince Adam and Eve to give up the deed to the earth, that was a legal move. It was spiritually legal. And so he legally was able to, to have now the keys to death. He legally was able to say that the kingdoms of earth were his. It's why he was legally able to offer the kingdoms of the earth to Yeshua when Yeshua was being tested in the desert. You want to know how could that possibly be? It's because he had the legal right to this planet, to the kingdoms of the earth. But Yeshua came to restore that legal right to you and to me through his blood, through us being brothers and sisters in him, in Christ, right? We now have the DNA. We now get the legal right to have that place taken back, okay? Satan's not stupid, in order to get into a human being, in order to have that Holy Spirit position, in order to, you know, be able to effectively enact the mark of the beast, it's physical and spiritual. These are physical and spiritual behaviors. This, your body affects your soul. It's, he's going to get there through some sort of physical action. And so we need to pay a little bit more attention to the concept of your body being a temple. You know, I just saw, and I'm going to confirm it, but I wouldn't be surprised. I just saw that pork products for the last five years have already been receiving different types of mRNA vaccinations, um, not the COVID vaccines, but other types of RNA-changing vaccines. And of course, they would be using this on pork products because did you know that there are really close relationships between pigs and humans? It's why the very first animal-to-human heart transplant, they used a pig's heart because they thought that they would have the best result with a pig's heart, not a monkey's heart, not, you know, it, the, the relationship, you know, isn't necessarily there, although monkeys are also not clean. You can't eat monkeys according to scripture. But I think it's very interesting that, you know, God has said throughout history, don't eat pork products. And we constantly are having issues with pork products. They're, it's one of the dirtiest, you know, of all the meats. Uh, it's very easy to get disease and to get worms and to get all sorts of things through those products, especially if they're even barely undercooked. And then on top of it, now you have scientists experimenting with these animals and putting things into these animals that now you're eating, which are not good for you, which are not health for you. It's why God calls them, he says, they're not food. They're just not nourishment for you. They're not going to do you any good. It's not going to do you any good to eat those things. And in fact, it's going to defile your body. And in fact, you know, we have uh, the mini version of the Antichrist in Antiochus Epiphanes, you know, during the Maccabees, he sacrifices a pig in the temple, committing this unbelievable act of evil. And he is a picture of the Antichrist. I got to ask the question here. Why would you put something like that inside of you when we know that Satan is going after the internal position, that Holy Spirit position, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, trying to take the space that belongs to the Holy Spirit and human beings? Why would you put the thing that was sacrificed on the temple altar that was considered an abomination by Antiochus Epiphanes, why would you put that in the altar of your body? If your body is a temple, why would you allow it in? Is it any wonder that the Bible as per, is perfect prophecy, it's perfect prophetic position, tells you don't eat this, don't do this. This is someday going to cause you harm. I just find it really interesting that the Bible, instead of telling you all the scientific information, instead of saying over time, they're going to find out that, you know, all of these other animals that aren't food for you, that they're really dirty and they're hard to properly eat and they're really bad for you. And, and then the scientists are going to be messing with them and doing things to them that are evil and wrong. And, and then you're going to be ingesting horrible things. If you, it just says, Hey, these are not food and they should never be considered food. And I find the simplicity that God's instruction, you know, and I, I, I always look at it this way. 
This world is full of these pitfalls. There are traps and cages set for us all over the place. That's just a result of the fall and our own nature. I mean, we are the biggest enemy, right, of ourselves. But if you follow what God says, it's like he gives you that, that secret path through all the traps and the cages. He keeps you out of them. And it doesn't matter what time period in history you look at, that continues to be the case. You can talk about this with sexually transmitted diseases. You know, when God says one man to one woman and they shall be united and be one, that's a spiritual and a physical act that affects both people in a very unique way. It's very unique because it affects two people, that activity. But we have now, you know, the the understanding that um, the wrong type of sexual behavior can really destroy your soul. It can rip you to shreds. It can cause you to hate uh, sex. It can cause you to hate relationship. It can cause a lot of fear, a lot of problems, and it can cause physical problems, physical damage, disease, um, all sorts of issues. And listen, the Bible just put it simply. The Bible just said it as it was. This is what you should do. And you will discover through all of human history, all the traps around that issue. And there are many, but you didn't need to know that. You just needed to decide to trust the Lord and that what he says is true. Have you noticed how we don't really trust that what the Lord said throughout the whole Bible is true all the time? We want to question it. We want to tell God he was wrong with his rules, that he needed to change his rules, that of course he must have changed his rules because how could those rules ever be true? But now as we are coming to an age where revelation can actually come true, we're starting to see that God's rules were always smarter than we are. (laughs) Praise God, right? We can say without a doubt his eternal law has always been smarter than we are. We have to start trusting the Lord because I think what's going to end up happening, what's very possible and how our health relates to end times behaviors is there's going to be some threat. And I think they did already try this with the coronavirus. There's going to be some threat to our health or our body. And the the play is going to be, you need this in order to survive what's coming. And we, will, we are going to use this so you can be part of the system. And if you do not have complete autonomy over your body, if you do not understand your body as a temple and you won't defile it, which you begin to understand when you enact the food laws of God, by the way, if you don't, if you don't believe in God's uh, decreed foods, you really probably haven't fully understood the concept of don't defile your body. You might understand it through the, um, you know, sexual laws through one man, one woman, but you ha- you're not daily practicing this concept of I. There's certain things I just won't do with my body, and you should understand this because I do believe what is coming. The mark of the beast is going to be part of this concept of health or wellness or well-being. It or you know, it's going to be smarter than we have been. Let's put it that way. And we saw this with COVID. We saw the fear and we saw people lining up to just put anything in their body that would protect them against it, not even knowing what they were putting in. Now, this is, I think, a perfect play. If you're going to get people to sign up for the Mark of the Beast system, this is one route. And I think it's how our mental, our mental and physical health play into what might happen in the end times. We need to be physically and mentally prepared. And we need to have been in the practice of taking care of our temple, both physically and internally. This heart-mind issue. What are you allowing into your mind? It's not just what do you allow into your physical body. What do you allow into your mind? Do you allow the fear in? Are you allowing social media to affect you? Are you allowing the news to affect you? Are you allowing the scientists to tell you what things are? By the way, the same scientists that tell you that macroevolution exists are the ones that told you about coronavirus. Come on. There's no evidence of macroevolution. And there was no evidence that the coronavirus was what they originally said it was. And yet, we all signed up and believed. That's a problem. 
we need to get back. We need to stop listening to the culture. We need to go to God first. And again, what sort of information is the Bible giving? Because the Bible doesn't read like the mass amounts of information being pushed through the technology that we have now. It just doesn't read that way. It reads like it's the only information you're going to need to make it into the next phase of life. It reads like the only information you're going to need to love well and live well. Doesn't it? Is mass informational pursuit really the answer to our current problems? I'm going to, I'm going, let me just put this out there. I'm going to say no. No. We need God. We need the Bible. We need to understand what being a temple means. We need to understand our heart space. I've talked about that a lot, and I might go over it more later this week, but I do a comparison of your physical heart and the spiritual temple, the, the, the physical temple and the spiritual temple that God set up because they have a relationship to each other. There are things that are the same in all of those, which is incredible. It means that God has aligned the physical to be a representation of the spiritual just as he claims in the word and we can see it in our physical bodies in our spiritual walks and in the physical temple which was supposed to be a representation remember of the spiritual temple according to scripture so that means that all of these things have a relationship they line up together it's really important that you care for all of this and you care well And, you know, I do believe most of it does start with your inner man. It starts on what your mind is on. I wish I could go back and tell young teenage Rachel to stop looking at the magazines and stop watching TV, to stop listening to the naysayers, and to just decide you wanted to be healthy mind, body, and spirit. Because upon discovering that as I got older, it changed me. You know, when I think about my body as a temple, it changes me. It changes what I want to do with it. I have become much more aware of what my eyes are seeing, what my ears are hearing. In fact, my son and I left a concert the other day because I thought it was possibly demonic. And I said, even if there's a slight possibility of that happening here, I don't want to be here for it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to applaud it. And he he was with me. He knew exactly when I said, all right, it's time to go. We left. That's just how I live now. I really care about what God has given me, and I want to live as long as he wants me to live. I want to do the things that he destined for me to do. I'm still figuring that out, but gosh, at least I've started to want it, and I've started to pay attention. I'd love to get more into, and we don't have time today, but more into how to help your physical body, help your spirit, mind, man. Okay, so what you eat matters. What you put in your body matters. What you do with your body matters. I mean, your mood and your whole perspective on life can change just by singing a song, let alone taking a walk, doing a workout, sweating a little bit, eating better foods. All of these things help you think more clearly and give you a better perspective on yourself and your life. And I I think God does care about this. But the most important is have you put your trust in the Lord, because that is the starter for all of it. That is the thing that's going to help you with all of it. And believe me, in our day and age and culture, with all the social media and everything else that we have, it takes massive amounts of discipline to do what I am discussing here, what I'm talking about, to protect your body and your mind. However, nothing is impossible if the Holy Spirit is the engine. So that is our goal now, I think, is how to get into scripture more, how to put the technology down, how to put down the Twinkie maybe if you need to. And you grab the word of God, which Yeshua calls the bread of life. Okay, this is what really keeps you going. And you get into what, how God sees you and how he wants you to uh, relate to him, to relate to his word, to relate to the body and the temple that you were given. There is so much in this, by the way, and, and even just the mindset of not always being so focused on yourself. You know, you want to really clear up a really bad day, do something kind for somebody else. I promise you, it will change you. And it will, again, change how you see yourself. Instead of seeing yourself as just a downer, 
You can see yourself as an arbiter of good. And you do that by making your physical body do good for others. You do that through your hands, through your words, through your feet, right? Through what you take to people. This is all connected. And it is so beautiful how God has made us and created us. This is also how, again, with that discipline in mind, we prepare for a time that will be hard on believers, physically and mentally. I want to be prepared and I want to teach my children how to be prepared because we do not know when that time will come. What we do know is that the goodness that this country has had for, you know, the last hundred years or so, the goodness we've experienced, that likely was never going to last forever. If it lasts a lot longer, we'd all be surprised, right? Especially given our behavior. So I want you to be prepared. That's why I'm doing this series. And I want you to see the beautiful interconnection. And I want you to get out of the dualist mindset. You've got to get into the mindset of scripture and how, how you are created. You're created in the image of God and you were created to be like God and you were created to do as God does. And you are created to treat your body with respect and dignity and to discipline it to do the will of God in all things. And I think, you know what? We could do this together. If you need help with this, reach out to me. If you are looking for a therapist, I have some great recommendations. If you are looking for a workout plan, I have some great recommendations. If you are looking for more information, I have some great recommendations and some great podcasts that you might absolutely love listening to. Um, and so feel free to reach out if you need help in, with any of this. We're going to continue to talk about this because I think um, it is a cultural topic of the day and we should approach it from a biblical mindset. All right, y'all. This is plenty for today. I hope that you had a wonderful resurrection celebration, and I hope that you are with me um, doing the rest of the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is going to end Wednesday night, I believe. And so you're not eating any leaven, and you're just thinking about how God is working on that inner man, that inner part of you, um, and how he wants you to uh, give all over to him. All right. 